Welcome to The Bitter Jury, your weekly podcast breaking down the biggest storylines and controversies from the Big Brother 24 season. My name is Daniel Westoff, and joining me today to break down week three of this Big Brother 24 season, first, it's the man who hustled the last week in order to set up the interview that we'll be playing shortly here with uh, one... Current, uh, recently evicted house guest. Uh, I'll save that for a minute. But Dalton Thieneman, how are you feeling today? I'm pumped and excited to be here. And I can't wait to hear what your guys' takes are on this uh, last week. And uh, also joining us today, the man who brought the good bourbon because of this uh, interview we did with Pooch. I'll go ahead and drop the information now because I don't know why I was hiding it before. But <laughs> <laughs> it's my friend Charles Matthews. Charles, how are you doing? How are you feeling about the interview we just did? Oh, man, you're right. The good bourbon is here. A fucking phenomenal week. Uh, week and a half. How, you know, how many ever days have passed a big brother? Th- this is fantastic. I'm living my best life today. Well, speaking of best life, we all just finished a 30-minute interview with Pooch himself. Uh, I was very entertaining. We got into a variety of topics, not just about this season, but also just about life in general, post-Big Brother, uh, his struggles growing up with speech impediment and whatnot. So here's our interview with Joe Pooch Pucciarelli. We're thrilled today to be joined by a member of the Big Brother 24 cast, Joe Pooch Pucciarelli, who was evicted in week two of the season. Pooch, welcome to the Bitter Jury. How's the adjustment been to the real world now that you're back with us? Man, I appreciate y'all having me first out, man. I really wanted to do this, so appreciate it. But yeah, it's been crazy, man. It's been, the the best way I explain it is I'm a normal-ass dude. I still am. You know, life's been a little crazy. Uh, you know, social media wise and stuff. But, you know, I, I go back to just hang with my friends and family. You know, that's my post. That's where I was raised. So that's what I've been doing for the last week and a half. And, you know, I was in LA for a month, two weeks in the hotel, two weeks on the show. So it is a, a long time being away from friends and family. So I'm just happy to be back hanging around, hanging out with them. Yeah, welcome back to the East Coast. Um, yeah, appreciate it. Uh, I've always wanted to ask this. Uh, you know, you've mentioned you're a fan of the show. And uh, yeah. now that you've been there, you've been a house guest. Uh, what experiences, you know, met your expectations going into the show? And then what was, you know, something that was really different, you know, being a fan, watching it versus being there in person? Yeah, so it, the best way I try to explain it to it's everything I expected, but also nothing like I expected, you know, so it, it ended up. And it's little things too, right? Like I brought, went on the show a thousand cutoffs, you know, I not the muscles are big, but show us something, but it's so frigging cold, you know, they keep the house on like- <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, probably like 60 degrees, same. They're like, why Why people wear sunglasses inside? Because if you look up at the the lights up top, you'd be blind. And so it's, it's crazy because it very much is a house, feels like a house, but at the same time, you're living on a set, you know? So it, the whole, you know, teeter-tottering back and forth of like, hey, you're living in the house, but you're actually on the TV set, it's kind of crazy. Uh, so definitely one of the biggest adjustments. Did you find it difficult to, you know, sleep at night knowing that the cameras were still on and people could just watch you as you're sleeping? <laughs> so honestly, not at all. The biggest, not issue, or the biggest trouble I had sleeping was because there's no light switch. You know, they shut it off when yeah. they want. So it's it, the producers decide when it goes off? Yes. But so like if you go to sleep and if you're in a room and you're not with like two or more people, the lights will never go off. You know, or if you're mm-hmm. if if it's the middle of the night and someone, you know, taps you, you start talking a little game and it could go, if it goes more than about 45 seconds, those lights are going on and you're like, fuck, and everybody's pissing you. <laughs> no, excuse me if I could curse. Sorry about that. I got to watch them now. No, please good. do. Yeah, please do. Okay. Let it fly. Yeah, we've got the alcohol and the cursing. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But uh, yeah, that was one of the craziest things, especially trying to get some sleep in the house. 
That's a good point. Like I don't sleep well around people mm. I don't know. So I feel like, you know, kind of seeing Paloma go through what she did, I kind of see myself doing that because I'm, I would go in and be like, oh, I don't know these fucking people. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. <you know? laughs> it's a lot of trust to live with 15 yeah. other people that, you know, God, you, you don't, you hope that nobody's crazy and they weren't. I love them, but you never know. I mean, you know, you're sleeping and God forbid something goes down, it happens, you know? Yeah. Um, well, we have, you know, I don't know if you know much about the three of us, but we're all pretty super fans as you yep. are. Um, I'm wondering with obviously you and, you know, Joseph's bromance. For sure. You know, there's been some pretty, <laughs> there's been some pretty iconic bromances <laughs> over the seasons. Um, you know, and I can list a few if, if you need help, but where do you yeah. think you would stack up uh, against some of those guys? So I'll tell you some of my, I mean, I'm a big chill town, Dr. Will, Mike, okay. Boogie, and I know everything going on with them now, but I still love both of them to death. You know, big reason I got into the show. Um, one of my favorite seasons was uh, season seven when they were on All-Stars. Absolutely. When Mike Boogie won, love both of them. I loved uh, Zach and Frankie. I think they're freaking hysterical. <laughs> that reminded me more of Joe. Me and Joseph are both straight, you know, obviously. But nothing's, you know, but it was yeah, yeah. hysterical. That I think they were hysterical. And we were very similar to them. Well, and so, you know, in my kind of taking notes, I, if I had to wedge you in between somewhere, it would be between like the Brett Winston yeah, and between sure. the Zach and Frankie, with, yeah, you know, again, uh, and I, I kind of chuckled about it because um, Winston actually lives in the same city as me. Oh, really? um, so awesome. I've gotten to hang out with him a couple of times. And, you know, seeing you and Joseph, I'm like, man, <laughs> you know, here's these two jock guys, you know, coming up, working sure. out, doing their thing. Exactly. Yeah. Joseph is a dude. And I wish it went, obviously, my time lasts a little bit longer because the content y'all would have got out of that. Would have been <laughs> that, was in, that was in like a freaking week span because the first week it wasn't too, you know, you still learn to get to know people. And then once you get comfortable, especially yeah. with another guy, you know, you just, it's something where not, you don't have to worry about, you know, not that you don't have to worry about, but the whole with consent and, and you know, you just, if you're doing that with a female, you're more, you know, do they have right. a boyfriend? Uh, you know, do they have a, a husband, you know, a wife in the outside world. So, you know, when, you, when you're with your bro, you can just be bros and not really worry about that in a sense. You know, you don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. But me and Joseph from the bat were like this and we knew, you know, we could just mess with each other, have some fun. Yeah. How did that, that uh, clip that you were like, I'm the dominant one? Like, I, I, I'm the <laughs> like how did that kind of clip? That is my favorite freaking clip, man. It's the crazy <laughs> stuff because you talk to the cameras, you do all that stuff and you expect those clips to never be seen, you know? So when they are, it's hysterical. But yes, so... I usually mess with Joseph, have him around. So finally he started giving it to me. I'm like, no, dude, get off me. I was like, I was like he goes, well, I can't do it to you. I go, I'm not so missing. He goes, he goes, neither am I. And we just started cracking up. We started crying. Very funny, man. Very funny. Oh, yeah, I love that clip. Um, but yeah, you've talked a lot about like, you know, on other podcasts, uh, how you can't wait to, you know, have 15 lifelong friends after oh, this summer. Sure. Why do you think that you guys got so, you know, close so quick? And talk about you and Turner's relationship as well. Yeah, absolutely. Which I like to because I feel like the show didn't give enough light to me and Turner. Because we're actually, me and Joseph like this, me and Turner, whatever, however tighter. Uh, but going into the game, the easiest way or your hope, you hope that you don't get along to people a few in the sense because you're like, when you get rid of them, you don't give a shit. You know, you don't give a fuck. So they're gone, you know, that you get rid of them, you play the game, that's fine. So going into the house, I was like, I'm a fan. You know, I knew I wasn't going to be a flow with it, and I wanted to go after big targets. But as soon as I got in with the guys, I was like, y'all want to go after big guys, strong guys. I freaking loved all of them, you know. And deep down, you know, being a football coach, being around locker rooms, playing college football, 
I'm a bro's bro. It's just, it's where my heart's at, you know? So if you give me a good group of guys, dude, I will go to war for them. And that probably hurt me to a fault because I was too loyal in a sense. But I still love them to death. Uh, but, you know, Monty, Kyle's mom is incredible. I've had more, com- not more conversations, but more phone calls, obviously, with Kyle's mom. We went on TikTok Live a day ago. She's hysterical. Um, so You're she's a big saying, mom guy, huh, Pooch? Uh, we're not going to, mom's around, so we're not going to go there. But I, I, I tend to dabble a little bit. Um, but yeah, man, they're, they're, it's an amazing group of young men and women. Obviously, I just clicked super hard with the guys, you know, so I truly cannot wait. Like, I'm already trying to start setting up trips. Like, with college football, I'm a big college football guy. If I could get two or three of them and, you know, back-to-back-to-back weekends, we go to Rutgers, Penn State, you know, uh, Boston College and do the whole tailgate game day, do a podcast or something before sports-wise and, you know, do that whole thing, I would love that. It would be amazing. You know, that would be awesome. Uh, but getting into the whole relationship with Turner, man, it's hysterical because we are so different dudes. You know, I'm more clean cut, sport background. He's long hair, doesn't shower, which is hysterical. <laughs> but tattoos, we're just like you go in uh, open at night um, and you go to the backyard and you kind of it's it's human nature. You eye everybody down, you know, you kind of you check everybody to the bottom. You want to see, you know, will I get along with this person? Can I work with them? And just from appearance, you look at Turner. And he said the same thing, looked at me and said, okay, that guy probably not going to be on my side, you know? And I don't know how it happened so quickly that we clicked, but that we did and it was amazing. And at first we were like, bro, we're such different people. Never, people are never going to think we're working together. And then we were like, we'll stay away from each other. Man, we got along so great that everybody, like I'd be in the HOH room and people would be looking at the cameras. We'd be all up there and people would be going, well, they'll be like, look, Turner's looking for Pooch. Turner's looking for, and you see Turner go room to room looking for me. And it finally would come upstairs and, you know, I love Turner to death, and it hurt our game a little bit because we couldn't hide that more. I mean, do you think – oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Charles. No, I was just going to say, do you think that you randomly have that bond because he's more submissive than you? I don't know if that's <laughs> it. I know where we're going with this. I don't know if that was it, man. But he's – it's just – it's so – it's like opposites attract, man, and we attract just in that sense, in that friendly – I mean, brother for life. I'm so happy he lives in, I think, Massachusetts or Boston – uh, and that he's close because we are going to be hanging out at Tarn. Y'all will see it, man. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame we didn't get more of it because Turner and Pooch was a great duo name. So uh, sure. really missing out on that. Uh, speaking of Turner, uh, give us your assessment of his HOH reign. Like, what? how do you think it went? Like, are you rooting for the Pound Alliance, which was quasi named after you absolutely, with the Pooch being, uh, yeah. So give us your thoughts. Yeah. Going into the, dude, and I have to give Turner so much credit because this week, he could have done the easy thing again, you know, put Taylor on the block, but I was hoping so bad he would not, you know, because <clears throat> she was a free agent in the game. And I explained this and I hate that they didn't put it in my diet because the diary rooms, you know, they want to make it, you know, so they boosted my ego. I feel so safe and I felt okay, but I would say I feel so safe. But if these girls don't put their differences aside, vote me out and use Taylor as a number for them, I was like, they'd be dumb. And I underestimated them because I did not think they would do it. And <clears throat> They only did half of it. They got me out. But Taylor, I mean, the guys used Taylor more than the girls did. And that's why Amira ended up going home. And I, I love Amira. I was in the bar last night, and I FaceTimed Amira, and it was hysterical. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, yeah, I'm How's really, she feeling? I mean, we, we've texted more than we've talked. because she, She's getting out, has a lot going on. So through text, it's hysterical. Because my first three or four texts to her were, were, I go, I think I said, what's up, you clown? I said, I told you, you shouldn't have sent my ass home. Uh, I would have had your back, like, LOL, smiley face. <laughs> yeah. 
And I was looking to see, because I was like, I think she'll know who this is, but I'm not sure. And so I just text at the end. I'm like, hey, just in case you didn't know, because I know my phone was blown up. I was like, it's pooch. She texts back in two seconds. She goes, I know it's you, you asshole. <laughs> we started going back and forth. She goes, she goes, because when I was like, hey, I have your back. She goes, you told everybody you had their back. Which, <laughs> was true, but I was like, I meant it to you. Uh, so, you know, Amir has been great. We FaceTimed yesterday. It was very loud, noisy at the bar. Uh, but definitely, we said, hey, we're going to hop on the IG Live soon. She's doing some media stuff. Well, obviously, wants to take it, you know. She needs a little bit of space, you know, from mm -hmm. everything. I mean, it's a lot. Sure. So I get that. So we've been texting. I'll give her another phone call. Uh, but she's doing amazing. I, she, Amir is so intelligent. And that's how I felt. The three biggest targets out of the women in the house were, I feel, Taylor, Nicole, and Amira. You yep. know, because they have they have three minds of their own, and that's a great thing. Those were three minds where I felt like some of the other girls you could persuade, you know, and if you have if you could persuade, they're worth keeping around. And those were three people. No matter what happened, I knew if I had to persuade them, I was going to be in trouble. Absolutely. Yeah. No, oh, that's awesome. Um, again, you know, for me, going back to the super fan, mm. I'm interested to hear who your favorite and least favorite player of all time is through. Any season you've watched and why? Oh, interesting. So obviously the first one, you know, I have to say Dr. Will. Absolutely, man. I and <laughs> I tried to use his tactic, but I fucked it up. You know, I tried to be <laughs> he would say You weren't gonna bring it up, Pooch. I, I yeah, yeah I, I believe that. But because uh, he would say and manipulate and be like, I'm a doctor, I don't need this, I don't need to be here, like I'll leave this and you know, I have money, I don't I'll be fine, you know. And he played that game of you know, I'm not scared to go on the block, but he actually never put his own ass up on the block right. like I did. So, <laughs> you know, if I get another opportunity, now I know, uh, you know, can't be that fearless. So definitely love Dr. Will, man. Uh, he's just unreal. Incred I think the best player of all time. And there's a lot of great ones. Uh, Janelle, Dan, I think are amazing. Just so strong competitors, strong-minded. Uh, and they have, when you can win and you have a strong personality and you can't flow through the game, I think it makes it even more difficult because you can't hide. You truly can't. So to make it to the end, I think it's amazing. Least favorite? I'm trying to think, man. It's And I know going through this process, and I gained a respect. And there was people, mm -hmm. the, you know, house guests, I was like, I'm not a fan of, but knowing how difficult it is to get in the house and then be on the show, man, it is friggin' tough. So yeah. so much respect that, you know, I grew for a lot of house guests, even ones I did not like. So to say my least favorite of all time would be tough right now, man. Because yeah. I have a lot of love. And the BB alumni have been so strong and reaching out, been amazing. So I just, I truly yeah. appreciate that. It's meant the world. I, I like the PC answer there. You know? I know. No, no, no. no, no. But, yeah. but the, he's the got it. He's part of the community. The yeah, yeah. No, definitely. that's great. No, and, sure. You know, and, you know, to that point, you know, you're right. Again, getting to talk to Winston and stuff like that over time, it's, you know, obviously you go on a show and know that people are watching and judging oh, you. Yeah. So you get these, oh gosh, I don't like this person. I don't like that person. And then you see the bond that, you know, those of you have been in the house have Absolutely. after. And, you know, again, there are people that I still, as a fan, just absolutely can't stand from. I got to hear who, who are some that. From the oh gosh, um, Charles has big per or opinions about the worst. I, story. I do, <laughs> I do, I do. Um, you know, my favorite is Evil Dick. Oh, okay, um, for sure. You know, Another again, so I'm I'm all about the strong personality. I'm yeah. I'm all about that. Um, least favorite for me, you know, Andy um, Heron. Yeah, wasn't a fan. 
Um, you know, this makes Daniel a little salty, <laughs> but I'm not a Nicole guy. Okay. Um, which, which Nicole? Anthony? Nicole Franzel. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I actually don't like Nicole Anthony you, either. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but that's the thing, too. I feel as if, you know, and not for me to ramble since we this is your time, you know, kind of one of the things, too, like in getting to meet and talk to Winston, like I absolutely did not like his gameplay. And I told that to him in his face. I was like, dude, you're an asshole. This was stupid. I didn't like it. But he's a great guy. You know, I've, I've had drinks with the guy now and it's like, you know, thankfully, you know, and, and we've talked about this on our podcast. I watch strictly to watch the show. So I feel as if I can dislike someone from a game standpoint, but Damn, yeah. disconnect Link that, you know, from a personality thing. Yeah, and that's so important. It's Man, I'm trying, and it was so bad, man, because I went out a couple nights ago, and then I came home, and I hopped on Twitter, you know, because I couldn't fall asleep, and I just started <laughs> going at people. And it, it's so – it's a waste of time, you know. And I – BB alumni have been telling me – Winston reached out for Instagram. He was awesome. Uh, it's just a waste, man, because I know the person I am in my heart. I explained this on Cody's podcast, The Winning Circle. You know, I love people. I Every type, shape, shape, size, color, man, I'm a – hopefully y'all can tell I'm a passionate person. I friggin' love people, you know, so, and I know that. So to get on and people are like, you hate Taylor, this, that, and people get so mad that I say, I see myself in Taylor or vice versa, because we are such strong personalities and we say what's on our mind and we don't care, like, you know, what you think in a way, in a sense, we're not disrespectful to people, but sometimes things we do rub people the wrong way unintentionally, you know, and that's just life. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, what's been um, your craziest interaction outside the house? Obviously, you've been on the media circuit, you're blowing up on social, you're doing the IG lives. Like, what's your craziest interaction been outside the house? So, I won't even say craziest because going out, a lot a lot of people have been coming up, which I love because I love talking to people, bullshitting with whoever. But one that was super, you know, I guess humbling in a way, but awesome. I actually went to go get lunch with me and my brother rented Chipotle and a, a, a mom with a group of three or four daughters came and you could tell my brother was like they're talking about you I said, dude, probably not he's like they're saying a lot he was like they're like pointing that's him they were like i just watched them google you just to make sure that it was you. <laughs> so they went through the whole line they're like whispering not saying anything and then finally the mom right before they came up hey it was hysterical because i even got up at one point to go get a drink and my brother was like yo they got so scared they thought you were leaving uh but they finally came up asked for a picture the three and this sounds weird. I hope this doesn't sound creepy. But the three, you know, cutest just little girls, you know, and it was amazing in the point where you hopefully you're making a positive impact. But hopefully I was on a young child's life, man, because I think that is so important. And anything I could do to help where and I explained it, man, I had a learning disability. I was a kid who got extra time in my test in middle school. I and now I have two degrees, you know, and I couldn't I couldn't speak properly, had a bad lisp. You know, I needed my mom. My confidence was very low. Um and, you know, I just, I realized, and it's crazy because my brother was always where things came naturally, great at sports naturally, you know, Mr. Funny Guy, you know, people loved him, girls. So, but it, in a sense, I saw that and I said, you know, it, I know I'm shy and get very uncomfortable, but in a sense, I was going to grow the fuck up. Like in this world, and I'm seeing my brother do it. Like, if you go take what you want, like that's, that's how you get things done. And that's how the su- successful people in this world are. They go and fucking get it. And it made me uncomfortable. I didn't like it. I still don't like it in a sense where it's like, I hope people, I don't come off dicky now, but I realize it's, you just got to be yourself. And when you stop giving a fuck what people think, that's my best advice. You know, even now I'm not used to the social media, the TikTok. So I'm doing them yesterday at the beach. And I'm like, 
I feel like the biggest asshole, the most cringy way. You like people like probably look at that fucking guy, but and I'm still working on it. You put it, you go, I don't give a fuck. I like putting out content. I like hanging out with my friends. I like people seeing that shit. I think it's fun. I hope people think it's fun watching. So just learn not to give a fuck and you'll be okay. I promise. Yeah. Love that. Love that you're willing to open up about that too, man. Um, and just real quick follow-up. How was Julie Chen? Because I we're all huge <laughs> fans of Julie Chen Bubez, uh, who isn't, but how was the interview and meeting her finally? Dude, friggin' A, she is and I know she's married. This isn't me shooting my shot. Gorgeous. <laughs> Absolutely friggin' gorgeous. He's a boss bitch, it? dude. What are you dude, talking a about? Boss fucking <laughs> bitch. And I love that when if she thinks something you did in the house isn't right, she calls you out on it, you know, whether it's gameplay personally, like she will call your ass out. Um, and I think it's because I saw it too, where people are like, oh, Pooch is going to blow up when he leaves the house, his big personality. But I would never do that because I respect the game so much. You know, it's something where when I heard, if y'all saw, which you saw my face, I go, if y'all saw my face, like you did it, you saw my face. I'm sitting there and I'm smiling in a sense because I'm like, this is so cool. I'm on the block right now. I'm on Big Brother. I was like, June Chen, you're going to tell me I'm out the fucking house or I, your boy made another week. So I hear, I hear the votes of 12 to zero. And I'm like, oh, 12 to zero. I was like, I know at least I have Joseph and Turner in my pocket. So I was like, that's a hundred percent. I was like, your boy is good. I was like, I got to get up, hug Taylor, wish for the best and then go get changed, put the clothes on for the HOH competition. So I hear that. And then Julie Chen says, put your bit there. My mouth is just, <laughs> it, it was absurd, but Julie's amazing. I think she obviously, which I'd say she handled the interview. Great. That's her job. She's amazing at her job. Did it very well. And it's crazy because I didn't know it was not live, obviously. They didn't tell me till a little bit after that the episode got moved to Sunday. Uh, but, yeah, it was a blast. I love Julie Chen. Big fan, obviously, of the show. Big fan of hers, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about that week. Uh, so I'm assuming living in that house, it is a constant state of paranoia. But was there a specific moment nearing that eviction where your senses, you know, spider senses <laughs> kind of went off a little bit and you're like, this is different than when I went into the week. Something is no different. Yeah, what, and what was that moment? So they were two. And, you know, I'll never forget them. And they stood out. They were just and I knew when my game was in trouble, 100 percent. So right after the mermaid competition, which that's if there's one regret in the house, it's that fucking competition. I didn't win it because I was flying, dude. I got the most balls down there. I just could not get them in the thing because the feeds went away. Makes me so friggin' mad. Um, but right after the veto competition, so all the girls, so the, the reason, and I thought this would help my game because all the girls were very clicky in a sense where it was like two or three to a pair, but not one big, you know, mega girl, girls, girls. And, you know, I think it helped that once they had the HOH room, it was like a safe haven in the sense where, you know, now they could go up there really quick bond and that's what happened. So right after the veto competition, all the girls go up, which didn't happen often. And then Michael and I'm sitting out there and I was like, I put myself up as a pawn. I, I'm part of this plan. I feel like they might not be talking game, but right after the veto, you know, it's very obvious. I was like, I should probably be in that room. You know, I should probably be in there. Uh, but in a sense, it's like, dude, I'm, if you talk shit about me or to me, I like it to my face, you know, not behind my back. And in in a sense, I probably knew what was going on. And But me disrupting it would have done what? It would have happened at some point, you know, they would speak. And actually what they were speaking about, I learned was Michael putting Joseph up next to me or using the veto and then putting Joseph, Joseph up next to me, which I probably would have stayed, you know, because Joseph is a stronger competitor. So if that happened, love Joseph to death. And I would have said to them, because they probably would have been like, yo, Pooch, are, we, are you cool with us long term if we do this? 
I would said, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I'm cool. It's cool putting Joseph up. But I'm telling you, I would have came with a fucking vengeance for my boy. <laughs> smart, smart they didn't do it. Um, and obviously, everything worked out gameplay-wise for them. Uh, but the other moment, I was talking to Alyssa. And there's one person, not, but you learn people's personalities. And I learned Alyssa's very sensitive sense where I think it, it would have been tough for her to lie to me, which she did anyway. But... She broke one time, and this is when I knew I was absolutely fucked, done for it. <laughs> I'm speaking to her, and I'm like, Liz, I'm like, yo, have your fucking back, man. I was like, is something going on? I was like, I see people sneaking off, like, to the back room where the girls all live in, like, the uh, the space room. I was like, I see shit going on. I was like, you know I have your fucking back. Like, what, what the fuck's going on? And she slipped, I think, I, I don't think she meant to say this, because she brought up, she's like, people nervous as an all-guys alliance. And then she was like, yeah, whoever made the whole Oasis thing is fucking, is like that, they shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, no. I was like, no, 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 no. Because like, you thought like, it was still secret at that time, right? Yes, very much so. You know, we were, the one time we all met together was one time when I was holding a pool stick. I look like a friggin' yep. idiot. I look like a friggin' monster. Uh, I was in the have not room when it was uh, me, uh, Turner, Joseph, Kyle, Monty, when we solidified it. And that was it. And we, we would spoke about it. And the way it happened, just coming up with the name, we were playing bumper pool upstairs. And sometimes you got to knock balls out of the way. And I was like, yo, I'm going to send this ball to the fucking Oasis. You know, I'll get this shit out of here. And then we thought it would be a great name. Like, and I thought it was the best name of an alliance that never fucking worked out or panned out. <laughs> but once, once Alyssa said it, I knew I was done for because I was like, hey, that means the girls have spoken about it. Who are they going to want to get out? The headless snake of somebody who started the guys alliance, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was like, I know all the girls must have spoke about it. And what's the other smart thing to do? Go to the two guys we didn't fucking include, throw them in there and say, hey, look, assholes, this guy <laughs> Pooch made an all guys alliance and didn't freaking put you in it. So how do you feel about that? So once I was sitting on the block and that was Wednesday night, man, I unspiraled. I just, I was, I knew I was sinking wave mode did not work i don't know if y'all saw it but late at night wednesday thursday morning at like three probably three thirty four. so i started going to each guy to see if i was like yo did y'all fucking say something and i i apologize and i was so wrong i thought it was joseph because of how friendly he is with the girls because everybody loves him but i was like kyle's my guy i was like i and I, I was so loyal to the bros that i thought they would never you know stabbed me in the back and it did happen but i get i better for that game than it probably was long term but i went around to each guy and i brought it up individually and i finally walked by the bathroom and this is i saw turner or excuse me was it kyle joseph monty all by the bathroom late at night and it's very hard for us to all be in the same room it's like rarely happens or when other people aren't there where we can really talk game so I didn't want to bring it up that somebody brought up all those guy, guys alive till after the um, eviction, if I was still there, you know, to kind of keep under wraps, which it wasn't at all anyway. Uh, but I finally, I was like, we had, and they were like, yo, is everything cool? We're good. And I was like, so I'm going to fucking say it now. I was like, uh, I was like, somebody said something to, about the All Guys Alliance to the fucking girls. And, you know, I was like, and we're fucked now. I was literally like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, y'all might be good. But I was like, I'm fucked this week. And I was like, if they win the next HOH, either they're going to pull two of you guys to go with them and start going after the other two. But I was like, now we're going to have to go at each other. And I was like, well, fuck, we're fucked. <laughs> so, you know, and we had that conversation. And then a mirror happened to walk by. When you're doing something like that, you can't just, it's very funny because when you're talking game and you know it, because if somebody's, it's a group of people, 
And then if you walk by and, you know, it just gets quiet or it gets awkward. So it's like, oh, like they're just starting a story. You're like, yeah, we, I fucking know what's going on. I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Give me two seconds and y'all can keep fucking going, you know? Uh, but a mirror came by and I was like, fuck, now I got to keep a mirror, like make it not look weird, even if I do have a chance of staying. Because like, now this confirms all guys alliance. So uh, we're hanging out by the bathroom. Michael comes over. It's like three, four in the morning. And it's just, they could see, man, I am on spiral. They, they, they thought maybe I was going crazy. I'm sitting by the sink. They're all sitting down. And they're like, dude, Pooch, just go to bed. I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. But they knew, dude, I was on spiral. And I was trying to save myself. I was sinking. And same thing, Amira brought up in that conversation, because I don't know if she felt bad or it slipped, but she, she said, there's uh, sounds of an old uh, boys alliance. And she was like, somebody heard you say, uh, I was talking about the HOH room, because I was talking to guys. And I was like, they think it's their fucking palace. Like, wait till, I was like, wait till the boys get it next week. I was like, we're going to be in the fucking rooftop suite. Like, y'all just wait. I heard that quote last night on the feeds. <laughs> so fucking, uh, that killed me. And but I honestly thought that it's just because I suck at whispering. So I'm my dumb ass. I'm thinking everybody still has my back. I'm like, I'm a loud person. I was like, I, I was trying to think, because you say so many dumb shit in the house. And that was a dumb comment, obviously, but. I was like, if I say something that dumb, I make sure nobody's around and just the guys probably. But I was like, maybe somebody whispered was around the corner. You just never know. You know, and you get paranoid. So I was like, either the guys went to the girls and told them I said that exact line. If that happened, I'm absolutely fucked. I was like, or I was running my mouth and somebody was like in the bathroom and didn't realize or around the corner. And I'm giving the boys a pump up speech and didn't realize, you know, so that those were the moments I knew I was probably in some hot waters. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm going to take a, another little sidebar here. Um, you know, I, if you've listened to our, if you've randomly listened to our first couple of episodes of the podcast, um, I, again, they, they already let you know that I'm super opinionated and I was just like, I fucking hate listening to Pooch talk. I can't stand this guy. I don't want to do it. But, you know, taking taking a serious note on that, you know, when when you made your plea to the house guests and obviously, you know, made it known that you have, you know, have gone through speech therapy and all those sorts of things, I immediately put my head down and was like, oh, my gosh, I'm such a fucking asshole. Um, so I will apologize for that. No, and it wasn't, man, you're good. It's not even that. But with that being said, you know, my my opinionated comment on that wasn't even about how you talk. I was just like, Oh my gosh, this guy, I can't fucking stand how he talks. But with that being said, yeah, yeah. yeah, Like (laughs) shut up and let me watch the game. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But you know, seriously, you know, talk to me about that and kind of what you went through with that. How, because again, truthfully, I can't tell that, that you have gone through that. And so it's really cool to me that you are able to speak on that, you know, truthfully, in spite of my opinions, I'm a pretty sensitive guy. So again, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I think I'm going to go to hell because I said something bad about this guy. Um, But no, I would, I would love to hear about your journey with that and kind of, you know, where you were and where you are now. Yeah. So I just, I mean, the first, and I mean, man, I was young. So the first memories I remember having was, I think my parents, because I like, dude, I was quiet as a kid. I just wouldn't speak. And I was just a quiet kid. So I think my parents thought there was, you know, I don't want to say like that, like there's something wrong with him, but you know, he has some issues, some mental disability. So I remember and I got, and I, the one people I would be more comfortable around was my family. So they finally, my grandpa, I guess my parents were working. My grandpa dropped me off to somewhere where I was basically getting tested, you know, assessed. And it's, you basically, I was sitting with a woman, a professional, trained professional. And, you know, they, 
it's crazy because it, it's super smart. Now they basically play games with you. So they start by making you comfortable playing a board game or rolling the ball back and forth. And, you know, as a kid, I had no idea what was going on. You know, I didn't know I was getting tested to see, you know, if I was having disabilities and, you know, learning issues. And, you know, so I would get in the car, my grandpa would pick me up and I was like, I was like, grandpa, like, what was it? Why did I just have to go and like play with this lady, play board games? <laughs> yeah, board games with a random lady for an hour. And, you know, he was obviously just couldn't, didn't want to say, you know, he said, oh, Joseph, you know, we just, we want you to have fun. You know, she's a fun lady. Like, we just want you to have fun with her. So that's kind of how it started. And then it was just obviously once I did actually start speaking a little bit, man, my list was bad, struggled a little bit of a stutter. Uh, so it was things where in like first to fifth grade, how it works, if you're in class, and they have these issues. They have trained professionals at the school, but obviously it's tough going after hours and before. So what they do is literally pull you out of class for 45, 50 minutes a day. And you go meet with these, you know, this group of kids and whoever the trained professional is and same thing, you kind of play games and then they turn the games into like training, obviously your mouth and your speech and your kind of go around from that aspect. But the thing that's tough as you get a little bit older. So now going from like, fourth fifth sixth when more kids know what's going on and they start paying attention to you leaving class that's when the bullshit happens that's when the oh speech is go pooch is going i don't even want to say the r words but pooch is going with the r words you know pooch is going with the special ed kids and it's it's something because i played sports you know started getting more comfortable better at sports which helped me you know grow and get more comfortable with other kids and kids on sport teams but you know people and especially man and kids don't mean to the kids are probably the most fucked up because they just don't know. You truly yeah. don't know. You're so young and immature. So that's really where the first time it started to come. And that's when you're really like, you know, get it. And I think I truly did grow out of it. And not just grow out of it, man. I worked my ass off. And thank God to shout out PS3, the first middle school I went to, man. Those, I don't remember the, the speech pathologist's name, man. But I to tell you, I sat down with it for countless hours, you know. And it's, it's something where it makes you not feel weird in the sense because I enjoyed it going in the sense going and leaving class because it was awesome. I got to sit and, you know, talk with some other kids that had some even worse problems and me have struggled even more than me. So getting to that point and that probably makes sense why coaching is my passion and, you know, just helping people because I loved because once I got more comfortable, I felt like I was able to help the, uh, you know, the other kids in the group and then the uh, speech pathologist and the two that saw that, you know, and it was kind of, we all end up helping each other, man. So I really, it was a crazy journey. I loved it. It's something where I wouldn't be where I'm at today without going through that shit, I promise. And it's, I owe it to sports, man, coaching. The fact that there's been times where I've had to get up in front of a whole, you know, program, meaning 100 kids on the team, 20 staff, you know, support staff and give a, a speech or a comment has been crazy. So, and it's, it was truly all starting with a speech, you know, impediment, which is crazy. But I'm, that's why if any kid out there, man, it just, just keep going, be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's my biggest thing. And it'll help you grow so much for sure. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I, I coach as well. Um, and we awesome. found out that maybe you're a tennis fan um, a little bit. Crazy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, so Comic center, baby. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. You know, and so I coach tennis. And so I love that, you know, you even touched on that and the experience. And it's also kind of why I wanted to ask you that question because, you know, I've coached so many people that have something going on, you know, whether it be ADHD or speech impediment or whatever. And it's just been so cool to, give them something to look forward to that makes them feel normal and being able to connect. Um, so again, my apologies to no, you, my okay, friend, man, but seriously, like that, that seriously touched my heart when you did that. Really when you did that. Bro. 
Promise. Promise. But yeah, so man, I, yeah, oh, go ahead. You're good. No, go, go, go. You're good. Um, so I think you touched on this on the on the block podcast, uh, yeah. but I'm going to switch gears completely. What's next for Pooch? Um, I know you talked, you know, Barstool maybe is Dude, an ideal setup for you. Sure. Uh, you you have obviously you know, already touched on the college football podcast too. So what's yeah. what's next for Pooch? Yeah, man. So that's, I've had opportunities to get back into college coaching. Um, you know, at pretty high prominent universities, it just it either wasn't the right fit or you know not where I would like to live right now. It's something where I know working that profession, you have to give it your all. You have to, man. Or you're doing the team a disservice, the kids a disservice. And I'm not ready to do that right now. I'm not ready to sit and you know watch film and for 16, 17 hours a day, wake up at 5, 30, 6 a.m. and stay there until 12 at night and do football. I love football. And that's the thing because you question, you're like, do I truly love the game? I love the game. The way that, you know, the industry is, I don't love that because it takes away from your family, your friends, you know, it really dictates your life. Uh, so that's why I, I do. I love sports. Like you're saying, tennis, hockey, basketball. Friggin' football, I watch it all, man. I am, and not just like casually, like pretty in-depthly. Like if there's something going on, a tennis tournament, it's going on in France and it's, you know, the whole time, I'll stay up till two, three in the morning to watch that shit. I remember the French Open, I was sitting there at absurd times watching, you know? So uh, <laughs> it's kind of crazy that, so yes, get doing something in sports media where I can kind of dictate my own schedule, and, but also keep, you know, in the range of sports, go to all these sporting events, you know, and still be in the experience, you know, not be on the field coaching, but be around, man. I would, and I, I don't even think, I would say big enough, man. I'm nothing now, I'm nothing. But if I can get to a point or grow my own personal brand and get to, you know, a, uh, uh, some partnership, do something, just get my foot in the door with Barstool or something like that. And be amazing, man. I'm, I'm going to start putting out uh, different pooch merch and stuff soon. So, you know, just stuff, I'm really rolling with the ball. I promise. I'm trying. Hey, send us send us first uh, pooch merch. Send us. Do it, sure. once, I promise you, we'll get. Send us the link for sure. Yeah, we're in the it. idea process, but once we we called spoke to a couple people, once we start getting it out there, I promise y'all will be the first one to start getting stuff. I swear, I love it for yeah. sure. Red, random question though, to not to yeah. cut off anybody, but uh, who is your favorite tennis player? Dude, so I love that American tennis players are getting more prominent, you know, than they have in the US. So I love Taylor Fritz. Love Taylor Fritz, man. I think he's awesome. I don't know if he's he's my favorite American tennis player, which you know I'm more just you know I want to see them do well because it's you know they haven't been so highly ranked. Um, I I saw Medvedev is back at the top, and I watched. I think it was Hercats beat his ass before I went into <laughs> a Big Brother house. So I don't know what he did to get back on top, but he must have been crushing it. I'm trying to think who else the, the uh, um, Canadian August Alley. Ali, Alice, mate. Alice. Felix. F-A-A. Sure, Alice. Yeah, yeah. F-A-A, dude. He's unreal. The kid that beat Rafa on clay. Um, Alcaraz. Alcaraz is crazy, man. And just maybe because I got into tennis like the last year and a half and, you know, really getting into it. It is crazy. Man, I freaking, I am like obsessed right now. So it's it's just, it's kind of wild. But yes, big, big, I guess, newer tennis fan, but I'm fully invested, I promise you. If you're going to be at the Open by chance, let us know because some of us may be there. And, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And I, my, I think my dad went last year and he's not even a tennis fan. Somebody brought him and it's just an awesome experience. So I, that's something I would love to do. And if I could work out my schedule, 100%, man, 100%. I would love because I haven't been to one yet. I used to live in Delray. Uh, so I almost went to the Delray Open, but I couldn't because of work and coaching. Um, but I definitely knowing that now, 100%, I, I won't say 100%, I'll be there. Probably pretty damn close chance I'll be there for sure. 
well, even on a Big Brother podcast, we can't avoid the tennis talk. But Pooch, <laughs> we appreciate you taking the time oh, to chat with us today. Awesome. Uh, is there anything you want to plug, your social channels, anything you got going on in the immediate moment for our uh, yeah, listeners? For sure. So I make it easy. My uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, it's all Poochie underscore main. I, it's like Gucci main. That's why I made it. <laughs> if you remember it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm really putting myself in the in the in the ranks for Gucci. You like you need to relax, buddy. <laughs> no, but just make it just so it's catchy. I'm gonna keep putting content out there, and not just for the. I love it, man. Doing the whole IG live, the TikTok, dude. I could sit there for hours, and I have no voice because I keep doing that shit. Man. But I just love it, you know. I'll be watching tonight's episode. Uh, gonna be exciting. Can't wait. This is it's gonna be an exciting week of Big Brother, man. So. Y'all will be, hopefully be seeing more pooch, man. I hope y'all enjoy I that. It. I know I, I don't shut the fuck up, and that's part of the problem, but it also helps it. me in a sense. For sure. No, we, we love that. Everyone go give pooch a follow on social. Uh, thanks again, pooch. You're welcome back anytime. We had a great awesome, time watching sure. you on the show. So, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely, at some point, I got to come back talk tennis on the tennis podcast. I would love that. No. 100%. 100%. <laughs> you don't know what you just got yourself into. So, yeah. <laughs> dude, I dude, I'm, I'm getting crazed right now, man. But so now I'm you're really... going to have to pull me as a special guest if he's on there. I mean, for come sure. on. <laughs> Awesome, uh, man. All right, thanks again. All right, thanks for taking awesome, the time. I appreciate it, y'all. Y'all have a good week. Have a good uh, fun day Sunday. I know I am. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Uh, thanks again to Pooch for joining us this morning. Uh, we had a lot of fun recording it. And uh, now I am very much looking forward to getting into this week three of the Big Brother 24 season, which honestly is one of the best weeks of Big Brother, in my opinion, that I've seen in a long time. Um, you know, I know we talked pretty highly of the Big Brother Canada season we just watched. Uh, I thought it was a really fun w- uh, winner, but this was probably the best week of Big Brother I've seen in years. Just from where we started, the the it looked like the twist that was going to be introduced was really going to set this house in stone for weeks to come. Uh, there were some bad vibes around what was happening with Taylor. Uh, and, you know, it was looking a little bleak, and at least in my opinion, at the beginning of the week. And then uh, what a turnaround we had. So uh, let's just get right into this week. Uh, we're going to do it a little differently today, do it more chronologically, just because so much stuff happened. We kind of just want to talk about all the big points. So, um we start off the week. Uh, Pooch is evicted. It was a unanimous vote. Uh, he was blindsided. Uh, always fun to see. Uh, but when we return uh, and get into this week three, we start with an HOH competition. But before the HOH competition begins, Julie Chen introduces the latest twist to the season. Now, this twist is called the Festy Bestie Twist. What it entails, uh, each player is going to be paired up with another player for some for the next coming weeks. We're not sure the length of this twist. Uh, And the person that they're paired up with, uh, they, uh, the structure of, of each week is going to change. And what I mean by that is the person who wins HOH, their bestie will be also safe for the week. So you're safe as a pair. Although the HOH responsibilities still only fall on one player. You don't share that responsibility between the two. Uh, nominations will be as a pair. So rather than two separate nominations, you just choose one pair to go up. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to the veto competition, it'll be six players as usual, but it'll be all pairs. Meaning when we pull chips to see who plays, we're really pulling a chip for just one pair rather than two. Uh, replacements uh, still as a pair. So if a, if a pair is taken off the block, 
we're putting up a pair in replacement. So nothing is done individually outside of HOH responsibilities and then eviction. When it comes to eviction, uh, only one person of the pair will be going home. The person who remains then gets to choose their own team to join, creating a, a super uh, you know, group, you know, bigger than two. So, so far, we've only got a group of three at the end. But could I, I believe you could get up to four or five if the um, twist continues for more weeks. But uh, let's start here. I'll read off the pairs real quick, and then I kind of want to get your all's opinions of what you think of this twist. Um so the HOH competition, it was won by Turner, um, and so the way it worked was if, as you lost the competition and took a seat, you could choose to sit alone or sit with someone who got out before you, and that's how the pairs were chosen. We ended up t- with Turner and Jasmine, Amira and Terrence, Nicole and Taylor, Daniel and Kyle, Monty and Joseph, Brittany and Michael, and Alyssa and Indy. Uh, Dalton, I'm going to start with you. Uh what did you think of this twist? Were you excited about it? Uh, and what did you expect to come from it uh, and how it would affect the game? Um, I mean, as you know, we as Big Brother fans, we know to expect the unexpected, but I was not expecting this festy bestie twist, honestly. This was a kind of a new wrinkle. Um, and it throw, kind of turns the entire game on its side. I think, you know, the best pair... Uh, coming out of it is, um, and I, I know that's not necessarily your question, but uh, Monty and Kyle or Monty and Joseph, um, which I'll get to a little bit, um, you know, a little bit later, but I think Joseph was like my breakout player of the week. Um, and I'm pumped to see those two as a, as a twosome move forward in the game. Yep. Uh, so Charles, I know when I saw this uh, twist, my first fear was, it cements power to a big alliance because what we saw with Paloma's pack at the time outside of Monty, I guess Monty and Joseph, but that's not Paloma's pack. So the majority of uh, Paloma's pack, uh, and I'm doing this off the top of my head. I can't remember if they all did it, but they chose someone outside of their alliance to be their partner. So that way, when they went on the block, they always had another option to be sent home, uh, as long as their alliance was backing them up. And in my opinion, what I was afraid of is, you know, that kind of just cement, like if you're outside of the big alliance, how do you fight back? Did you have fears of that or, you know, were you excited by this twist? Uh, you know, from a game perspective, you know, this isn't the first time there's been pairs playing, but obviously this take on it, you know, and being introduced a couple weeks in and, you know, you're getting nominated together and, and, and all these sorts of things is different. So I like that. Um, but I do think, you know, again, looking at Joseph and Monty, it's like, I mean, they're a powerhouse. You know, they're they're two bros. They're super athletic and everyone likes them both. So, you know, they're they probably at this point can do no wrong. And, you know, again, obviously things have changed with that a little bit, you know, um, with some things that have happened during the week. But, you know, I think that pose pack made a right decision in trying to split up you know initially so that they can try to keep the numbers on their side but again obviously you know with how this week played out um things maybe didn't go so well (laughs) yeah my my last comment on the on the twist itself it was just interesting to see the different reactions from players to the twist you know you have taylor just taking the taylor nicole pairing itself 
on one end, you've got Taylor, who is excited about having a partner in Nicole that she sees as a strong ally, someone with good relations in the house. And she views that partnership as something that will be beneficial to both their games, helping them move forward as compared to Nicole, who makes the decision to play with Taylor, not to help her game and Taylor's game, but really just to use Taylor as a shield, knowing that she's, you know, enemy number one in the house. And if they're to go up on the block, it's most likely that Taylor would go home over her. So I just thought it was fascinating to see the different reactions from these players to the same twist. Um, And yeah, that's just my favorite part of the game is the game theory that goes on behind it. But, uh, we get done with the HOH competition. As I mentioned before, Turner wins a very close second place with Amir, which uh, as we see this week play out, uh, <laughs> it's crazy to think that a millisecond difference and Amira is HOH and not the target by the end of the week. Um, but as we get into, you know, the aftermath of the HOH, the state of the house is kind of, we're kind of on the same page. It's we're putting Michael and Brittany up on the block. There's a backdoor plan to put Taylor and Nicole up and vote Taylor out, which has basically been the plan for three straight weeks is get Taylor out. Um, and then have Brittany's also been a pretty uh, alienated player. And so if the backdoor plan didn't work out and Michael and Brittany stay on the block, Brittany would uh, end up being the target. Uh, Turner's on board with this and it's kind of, it seems like smooth sailing. Um, at this point in the week, what are your thoughts, Dalton? Are you excited about, you know, another backdoor Taylor plan? Uh, did you, were, did you see any hope? Because, you know, I was, my outlook was a little bleak at the, at the time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, the way things played out, I was excited that it wasn't just another run of the mill target Taylor week after all. Um, so I was pumped to see that. And then I'm sure we'll get to this too, but I was absolutely thrilled that, uh, Turner took the veto opportunity. Um, or was, was it at the veto or was it whenever he first put, um, the, the pair on the first pair on the block? No, it was, it was are you talking about the, the, the Taylor speech. Yeah. That was yeah. at the veto ceremony. Veto. So, so we'll yeah. get to that. So it was, yeah. So I, I'm putting the cart before the horse, but yeah, I was pumped not to see another just target Taylor week. Yeah, and so we, well, we really the first thread of the uh, of the way the week was going to shift came when we saw Alyssa ratting out the girls' alliance to Kyle. Uh, you see Kyle in the shower, and Alyssa, who's we've seen in the past. Uh, Past episodes, you know, there's this maybe showmance uh, bubbling. uh, And so there's a trust factor there that maybe is misplaced by Alyssa. And she spills the beans to Kyle about basically her entire game. Uh, She rats out the Girls Girls Alliance. She talks about old school, uh, this newly formed thing with Nicole and Daniel. Uh, And that's really, in my mind, the first seeds that were planted in the amongst the guys of, oh my God, we're at the bottom of the post pack. Maybe this isn't where we want to be. What are your thoughts, Charles, on Alyssa's big mouth and how this really set the course for the remainder of the week? You know, I think that, you know, we've kind of touched on this, you know, previously. You know, it's kind of unfortunate that this season there are so many people who can't keep their mouth closed, right? You know, part of it is obviously being aligned with people, but part of those alliances is being able to keep it secret. 
And, you know, I think this was monumental in how things started to go because, you know, you know, one of my notes is I can't stand the Alyssa Kyle relationship and it makes me want to vomit, but <laughs> it goes to show too. Hey, that, we agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but it goes to show that as interested in her as he may be, he's still there to play the game. And she's obviously more concerned about cuddle time and inappropriate groping. So I think that, you know, her not remembering for a brief moment that she's in a game and Kyle very much being into the game that her putting that out into, you know, the universe was huge. And I think that, you know, him being able to take that back to other people and make something truthfully, in my opinion, great out of it and making a really exciting week of big brother. I mean, this, this is awesome. You know, I hate, and I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but I hate unanimous votes in the big brother house. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we did not have that this week and we'll hopefully not have that moving forward really excites me. Right. Yeah. Me too. Uh, well said. So, uh, Alyssa spills the info. Kyle's brain starts working in overdrive. Uh, we get some Joseph. Joseph has a birthday. Wasn't shown on the show, but uh, Joseph. Yeah, happy 25th, Joseph. I can't believe it didn't tw- start. 24-year-old Joseph. Uh, oh, wow, just like okay. 24-year-old Joseph just likes to work out and chill in the house. 25-year-old Joseph is here to play the game. Okay. Uh, and so we see uh, the night before the veto competition, uh, the guys come together. Uh, that's Monty, Michael, Kyle, Turner, and Joseph. Uh, in honor of Pooch, they form the Pound, and they have an idea of maybe changing the target this week, not to be Taylor, but maybe to be Amira and bringing in some of these outside players to form a majority of Alliance to go against this girls, girls Alliance that kind of has Daniel and Nicole on as well. Uh, and so all the seeds are there uh, at this point, And we're just wondering how is this going to shake out uh, the veto competition? We pull chips and, uh, Ironically or not ironically, uh, it's Taylor and Nicole whose chip is chosen, the backdoor plan at the time. And uh, this is really on the episodes when shit starts to take off. Uh, It starts with Nicole coming out of the diary room and she's in tears. Uh, On the show, it, you know, her tears are because she's having, she's struggling to throw uh, the veto competition. She knows it's her responsibility to make sure that they lose, so that they get put on the block in her mind, at least so that they, everyone can vote Taylor out. And so the show, hey, portrayed, not, to cut, not uh, to cut you off, but backing up just to ask what you all's thoughts on this are, you know, with Nicole pretty much assuming that if Taylor goes, that she's going to get some power. And that's kind of what she's talking about is I want to do this because I want this power. Do you think that was smart of her, you know, in the sense that, because again, you don't know, she just made a gigantic assumption, right? What do you think about that? I, yeah, first and foremost, I feel like it's been a tale of the first two weeks with Nicole. And then this third week, she completely had egg on her face. I feel like, she was very self-aware the first couple weeks. She was very thoughtful, like, you know, meticulous in the strategy category. And then this third week, she's like, you know, 
all ego, like all like, you know, narcissists. And I, I was shocked that she like was actually telling the other players in the house that that's why that she wanted, they wanted, like she wanted to target Taylor because I feel like she just basically gave the other players her playbook. Yeah. In my mind, it's similar to Pooch's move. It's making a giant assumption that you understand the layout of the house and are safe in a scenario of you being put on the block and in order to risk your game to get a potential, like Pooch just told us it was to make sure he had a back, like in the back of his pocket. Oh, I've been a pawn before. It's your turn to be a pawn. Nicole's doing it because she assumes there's a special power that's going to be given just be based off a of vague Julie comment. Um, in my opinion, both moves are too risky at, at such an early stage of the game when you still are forming alliances and, and trying to figure out who's who you're secure with and who's just playing you. So, uh, yeah, n- not a smart move by Nicole, but getting to the drama or the start of the drama, uh, Nicole comes out of the room crying. Uh, now, I think I mentioned this to Dalton when we were talking yesterday on the phone or something, but the show portrayed it as she didn't want to throw the veto on the feeds she's in tears because she's gotten a hint not a hint like a direct hint but her questions in the diary room have given her an impression that maybe the way she's being portrayed on the show is not the way she expects she's being portrayed uh aka maybe there were some questions about the bullying of taylor going on and nicole came out kind of paranoid being like how am I being portrayed? What is, what are they showing? And so she's in tears worrying about her own image. And it's just the sim not symmetry, but the, the way it played on the show is exactly how it played out in real life. Like if you've ever watched the live feeds, it's four cameras, but it's just two scenes. It's two views of two scenes. One and literally at the same time that Nicole is in the room crying and Daniel is comforting her saying she we, we aren't the bad people you don't need to be upset that you look bad taylor's the bad person at the exact same time it was not clever editing by big brother it was real life same time taylor is outside the room praying because the impression from the other house guests is that nicole got bad news about her mom and so taylor says to monty look i'm not religious but will you pray with me she's concerned about nicole and then she goes into nicole's room when there's an open moment, you know, shortly after and just tries to give her some encouragement and say, look, I know that we're about to go play a veto, but it's okay if you're not mentally there because you're struggling through something. And if you need to just take care of yourself, like I am not going to hold it against you if you can't perform to your best at veto. Like I know I'm not super safe, but it's okay. That was her, that was Taylor's intent, but Nicole warped just, just completely warped it in her mind to be, oh, this is what you did to Paloma. You said you should quit and get out of the game, and I'm not a quitter, and therefore, how dare you tell me I should quit? Uh, and it it turned into some really ugly stuff. Daniel gets in her face, is screaming at her about blaming her for Paloma's, uh, you know, uh, not not eviction from the house, but leaving the house house for uh, medical issues. Just, you know, and no one was standing up for Taylor. It's just a lot of people diverting eyes down. Um, Just Dalton, or I don't remember who I went to last, but let's start with Dalton. Uh, Your reaction just to this whole scene, like, 
it's just some of the nastiest stuff I've seen on Big Brother. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was the perfect dichotomy um, showing who Taylor actually is as a person and who the house and in particular Daniel and Nicole are trying to make her out to be. So, you know, I feel like, you know, since the first couple episodes, week one, they were showing uh, Taylor having fun doing the, you know, putting on the dresses for kind of the runway show in, in the house. But uh, what actually happened was the house was pushing her to do that. She wasn't like flaunting her dresses. She's not this like big, bad, evil witch that the house wants you to, you know, make it seem like she actually is. So it was the perfect dichotomy. I, I thought the irony was hilarious. Um, and actually, this is a, a quick plug. Go follow the Bitter Jury podcast on both Twitter and on Instagram because I posted that moment and it was hilarious. So, um, Charles, just the, the way that I guess Dalton put it in a good word, that just the egg on their face that Daniel and Nicole had after this sequence of events, uh, what do you expect them to face when they get out of the house? And uh, just what is your reaction to this whole uh, scene of events? Uh, so I'll answer the second question first. What is my reaction? <laughs> For those on the audio, no, I only, kid you. It, it, he's yeah. speechless, basically. <laughs> no, I, I kid you not. I sat like this for probably a solid 15 minutes, even after the conversation happened, because it was just like, what the fuck? And, you know, you all know, I mean, I had a very positive first impression of Nicole. So here I am putting my head between my legs again, saying, man, maybe Daniels are going to be um, a better uh, judgment of impressions this season than I am. But it's just ridiculous, you know, and again, we're not there, obviously. And, you know, as as Pooch mentioned when we were chatting with him earlier, obviously being in the house is a different environment. And unless you're able to to live through that and see how things go, you know, it's kind of hard for us to speak outside of that and kind of know how things lay down. But I mean, that's ridiculous, you know, and I got really upset while watching because there were several people who were willing to to take up for her in the DR. But again, with me not being a live feeder consistency, consistently weren't getting to see people truly take up for her. And I think that's where I, you know, started to get a little frustrated, you know, with the whole situation. But I mean, come on, Daniel, Nicole, like I can't wait for them to get out of the house. And I hope that they are genuinely able to apologize to her. It doesn't need to be public. It doesn't need to be something, but I truly hope that they are able to have a relationship and they're able to watch and see how this played out and say, wow, like we were pieces of shit in this moment. And as human beings to another person, there is no reason that we should have gotten, you know, things shouldn't have escalated to that point. Um, so I, I really do hope for that. In the end. Yeah. Well said. Could have said it any better, Charles. Yeah. And the ironic thing is, you know, me being a live feeder, it's like nonstop of Nicole running around the house acting as the victim and she she says the word integrity like every th two minutes like she has this integrity and she's proud of the way she's played this game and she has nothing to be ashamed of and it's just like she was a cop for 10 years by the way 
Yeah, and she won't <laughs> stop talking about being a cop, but then she's upset when people find out she's a cop. So but, she, yeah. she, she's uh, – and I think the funniest thing I saw on the live feeds, uh, and I texted it to both of you yesterday, was she literally has a quote saying, I love Big Brother because even when people are – I'm paraphrasing here, but even when people like act a fool and are like completely inappropriate – they have to come out of the house and they have to uh, face Julie Chen and basically explain their actions and like, and have a, a comeuppance. And it's like, it's going to be like, it's going to be beautiful to see when she comes out of the house and, and is like, Oh, it's me. Cause right now she thinks she's the hero of the story. And, it's going to be shocking when she finds out that she and Daniel uh, are all over TMZ for not the reasons that she is uh, excited for. TMZ, man. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> so, we, you know, the house is in chaos, um, and but it's time for the veto competition. So they set their differences aside, and uh, Nicole and Taylor are going to go play in the veto. Uh, it will also include Michael and Brittany and Jasmine and Turner. Uh, quickly, let's just touch on uh, we get to the veto competition, and before it's even set to go, as they're getting in their harnesses, Jasmine, uh, she's not feeling great. She's feeling lightheaded, and she passes out before they can even get her in her harness completely. <laughs> uh, Dalton, was this truly a medical emergency or was this more acting in your opinion? Man, if that was acting, get her an Oscar ASAP yeah. Rocky. Cause that was fucking, I, like, <laughs> I, I legitimately thought that she was, cause she like her eyes were rolling in the back of her head. So it was, I mean, if that was acting, Good for her. It wasn't a little suspicious that she didn't pass out until the moment that three people were around her and then she was like, ah. Yeah, it kind of seemed like a like Southern Baptist like revival that was going on there for a second. The reason I, I bring it up is the live feeds last night, she's been on a scooter for uh, weeks now. She's laying on a, a lawn chair and Kyle has this big explosive reaction to something Joseph did. And on instant replay, they literally show makes no contact with Jasmine at all. Yet Jasmine is, Oh, Oh my God, you touched my foot. No, you bent it backwards. Oh my God. No, it's okay. But Oh my God. And then icing it with a huge bag of ice for the next hour. I, I think this is, I hope it's strategy because if it's strategy, interesting because if you play lame duck with your foot and someone drags you to the end good on you but i think uh, it may be more of uh attention we'll wait see. so do you know something that we don't because you think she actually was acting because if so i'm dead serious about this i'm gonna switch my pick for who i think is gonna win because if she's <laughs> like that man she's she can manipulate i'm not saying it. that yeah. was acting i'm just saying the culmination of the actions i've seen mm. she seems like someone who might exaggerate anything that gets her attention. So sure. needless to say, glad to see moments later that she comes back out. She's medically cleared completely fine, but she's not going to play due to her nerves and reaction to being in the harness, I guess. So veto competition is played. It's head to head, uh, Nicole and Taylor versus Michael and Brittany. Uh, Nicole doesn't even have to throw the competition because Taylor is not great at the puzzle, although it's partially because of communication breakdown between them. But we end with uh, Michael and Brittany uh, winning the veto. And so the plan could still be in place to backdoor Taylor. Um, but with the formation of the pound, this is when we see 
the real uh, catalyst of this week really start. Uh, you know, post veto ceremony, uh, we see Joseph and Monty going to Michael, Brittany, and Taylor and saying, "Look, meet us later tonight. We have this idea." And so, uh, late into the night, after Amir has gone to bed and the patrol is over, Taylor sneaks up to the HOH room. And granted, I was watching live feeds this day. She was isolated and alone the whole day. She was getting lectured by Nicole. Daniel wouldn't even look her in the eyes. Everyone's treating her like a pariah. They really have been for three weeks. She's completely alone in this game. And she gets this invitation from Monty. Hey, meet in the HOH room late tonight. And what that meeting is, essentially, is the formation of this new mega alliance called The Leftovers. That is... Monty, Michael, Joseph, Turner, Brittany, and Taylor, and, and Kyle. Uh, just amazing to see the turnaround where the outsiders... This is what we've been waiting for for years. There's always the outsiders in the game, and they never band together. They just get picked off, and then we see the power lines get down, and then they go at each other. This is the first time in years we've seen the outsiders come together. Uh, Charles... What is your thoughts on the leftovers? Are you excited? Uh, were you just your the formation, how it came together? Like, what were your feelings on that that whole process? Uh, so, first of all, I have now officially changed your name in my phone to Doctor Daniel Westoff. Um, <laughs> as you continue to criticize my girl Jasmine, and you know, giving your expertise of all things medical, uh, but no jokes aside, I, I'm super excited. You know, it, you know, leading up to the vote and leading up to the veto ceremony, you know, even before that, again, you know, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I am all for the excitement of, you know, non-unanimous voting and a non-unanimous house and seeing those people band together, seeing the group of people that is now the leftovers, if they can stick this out, I mean, that's a pretty formidable group there, you know, and I'm obviously selfishly happy because, you know, I have uh, Brittany who, you know, I've now labeled as a terrible talk show host in my notes. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in my kind, <laughs> in my kind of group of potential people to win, but, you know, no, it's exciting. You know, it, it's, I love a good flip. And, you know, I love a good blind side. Again, you know, again, for those who are just listening and not seeing this, you know, as it started to form, I think I sat like this again for another solid 10 minutes. And no, this it's it's awesome. Yeah. So uh, now that we have the leftovers, uh we really get some of the best episodes I've ever seen of the show. Uh, that Sunday episode or no Thursday episode with the double blind side. I know we uh, we're running up against the clock here. So Dalton, your opinion on our eviction episode, not only a blind side uh, veto ceremony with Amira and Terrence having no idea they were going up, but in the end, a blindside eviction with a shocked Amira leaving the house on a seven to four vote. Those votes were all of the leftovers, plus Daniel, who was so unaware of the situation <laughs> that he gave a sympathy vote that actually helped evict Amira. Uh, Dalton, your thoughts on the end of this week and just the way that the game is set up going forward and what are you looking forward to? 
Oh, and so, I mean, this is exactly why we love Big Brother, right? A, a classic blindside um, and not a, you know, as we talked about earlier, not a unanimous vote either. Um, so not only was Amira blindsided by everything, but M Nicole and Daniel completely shocked. Um, I like laughed out loud whenever the camera zoomed in on Nicole's face after they announced he was evicted. And um, this is just why we love Big Brother, right? Like I, and I kind of wanted to go back to the formation of the leftovers. Uh, Westoff, I think we talked about this offline yesterday, but I got the chills whenever they, that whole thing uh, kind of happened and Taylor's finally getting a, a kind of a redemption arc. Um, and um, Amira, I think uh, this was kind of popping around on social media, but it said like she, they were kind of talking who potentially could be in an, an alliance. And they basically went down the list of who ended up uh, making the leftovers. And she's like, yeah, that, that's basically who is left over. And I just, mm -hmm. love, just love, love, love the irony, the irony yeah. of that, like it's hilarious. Um, so yeah, love the episode, love the week. Uh, and I love the leftovers. So I'm excited, uh, even more excited going into next week. Yeah. Charles, give me your thoughts. Uh, what do you think of the leftovers? What do you think of the blind sides? And who do you think is set up best moving into week four of Big Brother? Yeah. I mean, the leftovers have so many strong players. You know, again, you have Taylor, who's already overcome so much adversity. Um, Michael, who's freaking veto king. Joseph, Kyle, Monty. Tur I mean, the leftovers are in a really good spot. So for me at this point, it's kind of hard to pick one out of that group who I think is really going to stand out. You know, if you were to look at my notes over the week, you probably couldn't read the words because there are so many exclamation points of just the shit that went on. You know, one of the things I wrote the utter shock in all caps and I put eight exclamation points and underlined it all three times, just watching everyone's response during the vote watching every, even backing up you know prior to that watching everyone's response during turner's you know veto speech like i truthfully kind of teared up a little bit you know again uh, you know i'm the bourbon drinker and the crier on this podcast <laughs> but you know it, again just so many of those things hit home and so many of those comments and it's just really cool to see that you know obviously on a reality show where you know in order to put things into an hour episode three times a week Editing has to be done, but there are still some very real moments that you don't get with other shows. And I yeah. think that's why I've latched on to Big Brother so, so much. And I, you know, my last my last comment of the week is my favorite quote from myself in watching is love their acting lie motherfuckers lie because I loved everyone lying to Amira and like, oh. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to vote for you to stay. That was great. I love it. And I absolutely cannot wait to see what happens as the house is literally now flipped upside down. Yeah. No. Well, and, and one of the quotes from Turner's speech too, it was like, y'all are some old dusty, crusty bullies. And it ends now. Like he was so, I just was like, yeah, I don't want to add to the dog pile. <laughs> 
Uh, no, very well said, Charles. Uh, no, as a live feeder, there have been plenty of times where I watch the episodes and I'm like, that's not what happened in the house or I can't believe they missed this whole thing. And yes, there were plenty of other events that happened amongst this chaos that I'd love to discuss further. But, you know, props to Big Brother. They really did a good job this week of capturing the main through line. And, uh, you know, I, I found it emotional, too. Like, it was a really good set of episodes. Um, you know me, Charles. I'm right there with you tearing up. So, <laughs> uh, no, it was a, a great week of Big Brother. Um Really looking forward to see if this leftover alliance can stick together, build on this momentum, and uh, hopefully hoodwink the whole house into believing that uh, something else other than the leftovers is happening. Um, but with that said, I want to thank my co-hosts, Charles and Dalton, for joining me today. Uh, we'll be back here next week. And, uh, yeah, make sure to go give us a like and a follow, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Uh, we're here. We're uh enjoying the season and looking forward to uh, more analysis and hopefully more interviews as we go forward. So uh, we'll see you all next week. And thanks again.